Jeremiah chapter 9. In the last chapter, I accidentally read out of the NIV version. That was a mistake. But we're back to reading again out of Young's literal translation. And the reason we're using Young's is because it's a lot more accurate. Verse 1. Who doth make my head waters, and mine eye a fountain of tears? And I weep by day and by night for the wounded of the daughter of my people. This is Jeremiah lamenting and mourning for the loss of his people, because most of them would not repent of their sins, and the Lord let the Babylonians kill or kidnap them. 2. Who doth give me in a wilderness a lodging place of travelers, and I leave my people and go from them, for all of them are adulterers, an assembly of treacherous ones. Adulterers are people who cheat on their spouse, but they were also spiritually committing adultery against the Lord because they were betraying Him spiritually by worshiping other idols, and that's called idolatry. Jeremiah is saying that he had to separate from them. I think the Lord did this for Jeremiah because a lot of his enemies were hauled out of Jerusalem and taken away. 3. And they bend their tongue, their bow is a lie, and not for steadfastness have they been mighty in the land, for from evil unto evil they have gone forth, and me they have not known, an affirmation of Jehovah. The Lord says, I don't know these Israelites because they don't obey me, and they have made gain evilly by taking advantage of each other. In the New Testament, Jesus said, the only way to be his friend is to obey him, and the only way that we can know him is if we obey him. That's because when we obey his commands, we learn about his character because we start developing his character. It requires long-suffering and compassion and kindness and humility to obey the commands of the Lord. So as you obey the commands of the Lord, you start developing those traits. And that's how you know the Lord, because you start becoming like Him, developing the same traits that He has. And so then there's a brotherhood between you and Jesus. If you don't obey the Lord, you will never know Him. You'll never understand Him. And you'll always take him for granted because you don't know how hard it was for him to obey the Father. 4. Each of his friend, beware ye, and on any brother, do not trust. For every brother doth utterly supplant, for every friend slanderously doth walk. This means that a brother will try to overtake a brother and take his inheritance, or an Israelite will try to take advantage of another Israelite, financially or in other ways. So they were like a pack of wolves, these Israelites. They couldn't even trust each other because they were so opportunistic. And slander is often used when manipulators want to destroy somebody's reputation for their own gain. 5. And each at his friend they mock, and truth they do not speak. They taught their tongue to speak falsehood, to commit iniquity they have labored. In secular circles, people will often make fun of each other, and it's considered a healthy form of socialization, and as long as it's funny, it's considered okay. 
But when we make fun of our friends, even if we think it's in good humor, that's a step toward arrogance and a lack of humility. And that desensitizes us so that we then start downgrading other people who aren't our friends. So it's really a bad practice to go around making fun of people, even if you think you're doing it good-naturedly. Eventually, you become a slanderer or a hater of others. When it says they taught their tongue to speak falsehood, people do that today too. It starts out with a white lie, and then it becomes a non-malicious lie said to get us out of trouble or benefit us. And then eventually it becomes malicious lies and gossip. And then eventually it becomes downright fraud. Once we're on the path of thinking that a white lie is okay, things just escalate from there. You see, this is why you don't want to have secular friends, because they are okay with little spiritual misdemeanors. But that always will weaken our character, and before we know it, we're in full-blown sin. 7. Therefore, thus said Jehovah of hosts, Lo, I am refining them, and have tried them, for how do I do? Because of the daughter of my people. The Lord says, because they're my people, I have to put them through the test. I have to put them through the fire. Essentially, by punishing the Israelites, some people would repent that way. This is always why the Lord punishes us for our sins. It's to get us to change. 8. A slaughtering arrow is their tongue. Deceit it hath spoken in its mouth. Peace with its neighbor it speaketh, and in its heart it layeth its ambush. The it in this verse is Jerusalem and the tribe of Judah. It's become a deceitful tribe that preys on its own neighbors. 9. For these things do not I see after them an affirmation of Jehovah against a nation such as this doth not my soul avenge itself? The Lord says, I need to punish them and avenge them for hurting each other. When we read the Levitical law, we saw how kind it is. The Lord hates it when people hurt each other. And that's why he brings justice to the victims by punishing the victimizers. And he says he has to punish them because of what they've done. Whenever the Lord says an affirmation of Jehovah, it means that he is definitely not going to change his mind. 10. For the mountains I lift up weeping and wailing, and for the habitations of the wilderness a lament. For they have been burnt up without any passing over, nor have they heard the voice of cattle. From the fowl of the heavens unto the beasts they have fled, they have gone. Jeremiah is weeping for the destruction of his land. Sounds like the Babylonians are burning areas so that the cattle won't have grass to eat and the people won't have a place to live. 11. And I make Jerusalem become heaps, a habitation of dragons, and the cities of Judah I make a desolation without inhabitant. The word dragons could symbolize demons, but it also is probably literal because in ancient times dragons did exist. What scientists today call dinosaurs, some of those animals were probably dragons. And dragons would live where there aren't a lot of people. They were dangerous animals. But if the cities are burned down, then the dragon can go and live there, just like any wild animal could. 12. 
who is the wise man, and he understandeth this, and he to whom the mouth of Jehovah spake, and he doth declare it. For what hath the land perished? It hath been burnt up as a wilderness, without any passing through. There's no wise person speaking except Jeremiah alone. And that's why the people followed bad advice and thought that they could arrogantly continue sinning and still defeat the Babylonians. The Babylonians are also sometimes called the Chaldeans because they came from the same region. There's overlap with where they lived. Even though they were different people, I can see how you would use the same name. 13. And Jehovah saith, Because of their forsaking my law that I set before them, and they have not hearkened to my voice, nor walked in it. 14. And they walk after the stubbornness of their heart, and after the Balaam that their fathers taught them. 15. Therefore thus said Jehovah of hosts, God of Israel, Lo, I am causing them, this people, to eat wormwood, and I have caused them to drink water of gall. Water of gall is bitter water, and wormwood is also extremely bitter water. These are waters that would cause you to die if you drink them. And that's why in the last chapter, it mentioned that their water was poisoned. Now, I don't know how the Babylonians did this, but anything is possible. Ancient people had the same knowledge that we do today. In fact, they had more knowledge than we do today, so they knew how to poison water. Wormwood is also mentioned in the book of Revelation because the waters and the land will be poisoned during the Great Tribulation. So a lot of this destruction of Jerusalem that we're reading about is a word picture or a prototype for the destruction of the world in the end times. And drinking water of gall also reminds us of Jesus on the cross, who was given the bitter water to drink when he was suffering for us. Now, the Israelites in Jeremiah's time deserved to drink bitter water, but Jesus did not deserve it. He had never sinned. 16. And I have scattered them among nations which they knew not, they and their fathers, and have sent after them the sword, till I have consumed them. Even when they were getting hauled off to Babylonian nations, or when they were running, they were still pursued by danger, and some of them died on the journey. 17. Thus said Jehovah of hosts, Consider ye, and call for mourning women, and they come, and to the wise women send, and they come. Those who mourn for the damned are wise people, and that's why prophets always mourn for those who don't repent. Now the Lord is calling women to come and mourn. In ancient times, they would hire professional mourners to cry at funerals. The Lord is going to say, bring the professionals, because the people of Israel desperately need salvation. They need forgiveness, but it can only happen with contriteness, which means being sorry for your sin and mourning over your sin. Today, we take forgiveness way too lightly. We just mouth the words, God forgive me, and you're... But in the Bible, people don't get forgiven unless they repent and they mourn. We see this all throughout the Old and the New Testament. 18. 
and they hasten and lift up for us a wailing, and run down our eyes do tears, and from our eyelids do waters flow. So women did come to mourn. This would include the wise women, those who were widows and those who were older and could set an example. 19. For a voice of wailing is heard from Zion. How have we been spoiled? We have been greatly ashamed, because we have forsaken the land, because they have cast down our tabernacles. The people of Israel realized that the Lord was definitely against them, because he allowed the pagans to rob and pillage. 20. But hear ye women a word of Jehovah, and your ear receiveth a word of his mouth, and teach ye your daughters wailing, and each her neighbor lamentation. This is a lot more wise to teach children to mourn over sin than to teach them to gossip. Earlier in the chapter, people were slandering others, but now they're praying for others. The Israelites were punished to cause them to repent and have a tender heart. 21. For death hath come up into our windows, it hath come into our palaces, to cut off the suckling from without, young men from the broad places. Death came all the way up to their windows, everybody was dying. This would be a scene similar to the last night in Egypt, when the people of the Lord were leaving, and the Lord had killed every single firstborn in Egypt. Probably even more people than that were dying on these days in Jerusalem when the Babylonians came. It says the sucklings, which are the infants, and the young men who are strong and healthy, they were dying too, because they weren't strong enough to fight the opposing army. 22. Speak thus an affirmation of Jehovah, and fallen hath the carcass of man, as dung on the face of the field and as a handful after the reaper, and there is none gathering. As in the previous chapter, the Lord says that when these people die, no one will be there to bury them. They're just going to rot in the open field, and that's part of Israel's punishment. 23. Thus said Jehovah, Let not the wise boast himself in his wisdom, nor let the mighty boast himself in his might. Let not the rich boast himself in his riches. 24. But in this let the boaster boast himself, in the understanding and knowing me, for I am Jehovah, doing kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these I have delighted, an affirmation of Jehovah. Just as it says in the New Testament, we shouldn't boast about any strength or capabilities or talent or money that we have, because everything we have was given to us from the Lord. If we're smart or strong or talented in any way, it's only because of God, because he could have easily made us mentally retarded or without legs or arms. He didn't have to give us a brain and good looks and opportunities, and many people don't have opportunities or anything else going for them. So we can't boast in things that we were given. We can only boast in the Lord, his judgment, his kindness. His righteousness, that is what we should delight in. It's the Lord who causes a retarded person to get saved, or who brings down a king. It's the Lord who heals and delivers, not any of us. 25. 
Lo, days are coming, an affirmation of Jehovah, and I have laid a charge on all circumcised in the foreskin. To be circumcised in the foreskin is a physical thing that makes you more hygienic and physically cleaner because the foreskin traps a lot of bacteria, disease, and filth. And when that's gone, you are definitely cleaner. But the real circumcision is the circumcision of the heart. The physical circumcision was only meant to represent the circumcision of the heart, which is what we all need in order to be saved. Physical circumcision doesn't save us. It just makes us an Israelite. But real salvation is from circumcision of the heart, which is repenting of our sins so that all of the filth is out of our heart and we have a clean heart. The Lord has laid a charge on those who are physically circumcised, but they're not spiritually circumcised because those people are hypocrites. 26. On Egypt and on Judah and on Edom and on the sons of Ammon and on Moab and on all cutting the corner of the beard, who are dwelling in the wilderness. For all the nations are uncircumcised, and all the house of Israel are uncircumcised in heart. He says that his Israelite children are just like the pagans, because they won't repent of their sins, just like the pagans. They're physically circumcised, but their hearts are not circumcised. And the Lord lists all of the pagans the Edomites, the Ammonites, the Moabites, which are all related to the Israelites, but they're pagans, and they're not fully Israelite. And then he also mentions Egypt and Judah itself, where many pagans were living, because they were living with pagans in the land of Judah, and especially around Jerusalem. The reason that the Lord mentioned people who cut the corner of their beard is because that was a practice that the pagans did back then. Today, there's no religious significance with cutting the corner of your beard, so it isn't a sin to do that anymore today, unless you are deliberately doing it as a pagan practice. And that concludes Jeremiah chapter 9.